We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I was a tall, white-haired Scotsman, and I'm not sure what I'm supposed to become now, but I think the name is Ben. And tonight we're looking at, if you can guess, The Woman Who Fell to Earth, the premiere episode of The 13th Doctor as portrayed by Jodie Whittaker. Ryan, a young man with a bicycle problem, encounters a strange floating glyph in the air, and after touching it, a big seed pod appears. He fetches the police, which just happens to be Yaz, a classmate of his from school. Well, the pod is mysterious, but there are more pressing concerns. A train, on board which just happened to be Ryan's grandmother, Grace, and her husband, Graham, he's a cracker, is attacked by an alien squiggly thing. Also, the newly regenerated doctor falls from a much greater than the Pharos project height, smashes through the metal roof of the train, and gets up kicking. She seems to fend off the creature, but not before it plants DNA bombs on all five of them. Ryan mentions the other weird thing tonight, the arrival of the seed pod. But when they take the doctor to see it, it's gone. Some other guy has it, and he dies when it opens, and an armored alien steps out and kills him. It seems he was looking for his missing sister, who disappeared seven years ago in conjunction with the arrival of a similar pod. The doctor locates the squiggly thing, with a little help from her friends, and discovers it's an information-gathering tool assisting the other creature, whose name is Timothy Shaw, or something like that. He's the cheating, scumbag, wannabe predator, wannabe leader of his people who has come to Earth to richly hunt and capture a human who just happens to be the other guy who is on that train that I didn't bother to mention until now because, you know, misdirection. The doctor and her four friends go to rescue him at a construction site that, for some reason, does late-night crane operations. She defeats the baddie by being clever off-camera earlier. And all all is well that ends well, except one of her friends dies during the battle. How sad. We waste a lot of time on that, too. The doctor convinces her friends to help her use the alien's transport pod to teleport her to her TARDIS, which they do, and they say their farewells, until they're accidentally teleported, too. And they're in space. Things aren't looking good. Roll credits. The woman who fell to Earth. You know, this is actually only the second time, Ben, that you and I have looked at a regeneration episode of The Doctor. That is true. The first one being from Matt Smith into Peter Capaldi. Yes. Yes. So, um, and and uh, our listeners may know, uh, Simon and I have done a series of looking at first episodes of Doctors and reflecting upon how they uh, reflect upon that doctor's entire time. And uh, I think what we've come to is it's really hard to tell from a doctor's first episode where it's going to go. So I don't know how much we can draw out of this one uh, from from a standpoint of what's the 13th doctor going to be like? Because I don't think we've got that yet. But we can certainly talk about this 
this episode. Mm-hmm. So what's your initial impression? Well, huh, interesting as you say that. Um, it, it, it was different to what it is now. After hearing your recap, now I hate it. <laughs> I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. Oh, God. I had problems you, with it. Well, I had a few problems with it too, but oh, now I hate the episode. Now I think it's a piece of crap. <laughs> I... No, I, I, I really, seriously, I think it's terrible. Uh, based on your description, you just described what I think has got to be one of the worst Doctor Who episodes ever made in recent history. I mean, it's just... <laughs> oh, okay, it's good. Just, I was going to say, there's a show in the galaxy. Um, <sighs> and I said recent. Oh, yeah, you did. You did. You threw in recent, so we can't we can't put that in there. Um, no, I mean, after what you... The way you just described it, I know, and I'm listening to it, I'm thinking, no, I, I got I to gotta scratch off everything that I wrote. And uh, reevaluate, and my reevaluation says this was a real dog. I was, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed watching it. It was, it was all right. But I tell you what, it reminded me of. Um, it reminded me of the worst of Russell T Davies episodes or era. Not really a whole heck of a lot of sense going on there. Not really a whole lot of plot, just more kind of scenes of stuff and, and, uh, you know, they were, they were okay, but they're kind of empty calories. I think that's what it is. Empty calories is the word. But weren't a lot of the classic Doctor Who's like that too? Certainly, certainly, yes, some of them were. Absolutely, because the, there were quite a few, especially in the Tom Baker era. There was there was a, a period where th- they were pretty hollow, and yet they were fun to watch. Well, see, there you had they had the fun to watch. Um, I, I, you know, we are comparing two very different formats: the long format and the short format. And I, I. I think that there's a lot of waste in um, the older episodes, but at the same, and so you get a lot of that stuff that you can throw in for a little scene here and there to that doesn't necessarily advance the plot and maybe a little bit off. I, I'm, I, I don't, I don't get the same out of this. I think it's because of what should be a fast episode was actually quite slow. Um, Particularly towards the end, um, when they got to the funeral, I just got up and went to the bathroom. I was like, "Yeah," <laughs> I, you know, after he talked long enough, I'm like, "You know, this scene's gonna go on for a while." I can't believe it. I think I have to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a go, and and succeeded. And uh, it, uneven is another word for it. Okay. Um, at times it was moving too fast. At times it was moving too slow. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna boil it right down to the basics. It was bad. Uh, that, that, see, see, you just described a bad episode. I, I, I felt it's not I described well a mediocre done. Episode. It's not well done. Um, uh, mediocre episodes wouldn't have the you know some of the things that you just listed. Uh, yeah. I mean, at least at least as far as I'm concerned, no. You, everything is as I said. I was listening to you run down. That entire synopsis, and I went, yeah, he's right about that. Yeah, he's right about that. Yeah, he's right about that. Oh, my God, this episode really was awful. <laughs> Maybe a rewatch is in order. <laughs> I haven't had a chance to do a rewatch on it. I've, I've fair- watched it twice. Did, oh, okay. I haven't. I, I, I figured I might be meaner if I did a rewatch, to be fair. So, I, 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 I was... Hmm. 
I'll tell you where I, I, I didn't even include the sonic screwdriver, which just annoyed me beyond belief. Um, the doctor falling out of the TARDIS at the end of Twice Upon a Time, you know, really looked like, oh, how, how is that gonna, how are they gonna save the doctor from that certain death fall? And the answer is, we'll just smash her into a metal train, which her body will puncture a hole through, and she'll she's get up and walk away. She's still regenerating. We can try to make that excuse. Um, Peter, uh, Peter David. Um, <laughs> the other guy. The other Peter Davison. T- David Tennant. Uh, sure looked like he was worried about falling off the Sycorax ship after his uh, regeneration. True. Uh, although his hand did survive um, <laughs> when it went over the edge. But, I, yeah, I, I, I just thought, wow, I, I, may have, I may have a problem with how Chibnall resolves cliffhangers. No, I'm not. I, I'm, I am not defending Chibnall. I'm simply stating that they were probably using the regeneration factor as an excuse for how the doctor was able to survive that fall and land in the train. Was it good? No, it wasn't. It was stupid. I think I think if you're going to do something that ridiculous, the very least is you could pay lip service to it. How did you survive a fall through the roof of a train? I'm still regenerating. Huh? Audience would get it, people would not, but there would be your throwaway line mm. that that gives you that that gives you that out for everyone who's going to be doing exactly this and going, oh no no no, of course the doctor can survive that fall. Mm. Uh, no, no, the doctor did not survive that fall in Legopolis. Um, the other, yeah, Legopolis, yeah, Pharaoh's project, yeah. right? That was the that was the tower fell off. Um, yeah, so. That did set up that, that that did set an off note for me. Just just off at the go, I will say. Um, before we get into it, the other one that I'll I'll ask you about. There was an article in the Radio Times today um, about some of the various reactions to the episode, and I didn't go into a lot of them uh, because I I don't want their reactions to be our reactions or my reactions. Um, and but but the article was actually about something that James, my son, said when the episode was over. And I don't know if you had a problem. I didn't really have a problem. I could see why someone would, but uh, he couldn't understand what they were saying. That's why I had subtitles on. Uh, a lot of people apparently were wishing they'd had subtitles on. Yeah, I had subtitles um, on the entire time for the for the broad Yorkshire accent that they're all that they're all sporting. Um, James had more trouble with the doctor's voice uh, and her accent in combination. And uh, I had more trouble with Ryan. I had more trouble with Ryan. Yeah. he Well, he mumbles too. So Yeah. I had a lot of trouble with Ryan. Not so much with um, anybody else. Even the doctor was, for the most part, I, I, I don't have a problem with Jody's, Jody's speech. Uh, I mean, there might have been the occasional word here and there that kind of snuck underneath me. Uh, and I, I do remember there was some, there was like the occasional word that I thought I heard something else. But as I read the subtitle, I thought, oh, that's what. But the word that I heard made perfect sense as well. I couldn't give you an example because I don't remember. But it was Ryan. He was really difficult. And at times it, he almost spoke with what I call mush mouth. Yeah, it's it's the it's it's the accent combined with the mumbling. The, the just... <laughs> 
uh, that that does it. And I don't typically have trouble understanding people with um, Yorkshire accents, northern accents. Um, I've heard enough Monty Python to know, you know, what a good properly Cambridge-based imitation of a Yorkshire accent sounds like, and I shouldn't hmm. have any problem with them. Um, or Oxford, Oxford-based uh, imitation of a Yorkshire accent, either one. Uh, anyway, and, I, and I've seen a lot of, I've seen enough British films to, and and with just a big, broad spectrum, um, including some like really low working class uh, uh, British uh, or British type stories, and have never really had a problem in understanding them. Um, Ryan was difficult. But you know what I don't understand is, okay, we've already had a Northern Doctor, right? I mean, the yeah. BBC is rushing them around, you know, to get all the regional dialects in so that no one feels left out and their children will grow up to know, I could be the, the Time Lord too. No, you can't. Uh, it's a fantasy thing. But anyway, um, you know, we had the Ninth Doctor, he had a Northern. And we had uh, David Tennant, who obviously should have had a Northern accent, but was doing a Southern uh, accent, and he had uh, Matt Smith, who I don't know what he was doing, and uh, you know Peter Capaldi, a nice Scottish accent, as did the Seventh Doctor, and um, you would think that this time around, considering it's all shot in Wales, couldn't if they wanted an unintelligible accent from the United Kingdom, they get a Welsh they Doctor, Welsh? yeah, sick with Welsh, yeah, yeah, or the or the Friends, you know, um, yeah. Anyway, I think it's an opportunity missed, and I'm sure that's what we're going to get next time. Um, Okay, so prior to me ruining the episode for you, what, <laughs> what what stood out as things you liked? Now I can't remember. All I can think about is everything that I don't like. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I feel bad. <laughs> I feel bad. I hope I ruined that for everyone else, too. I mean, because um, I, I remember that I enjoyed it. I remember that I enjoyed it a lot, but all I can think back now, all I can think now is, no, this really was a terrible story. <laughs> I mean, it's, I'm looking at my notes. I'm like, well, that was awful. No, that's bad. That's bad. I mean, I'm going down the list. And it's like everything that I'm reading in my list on my notes is, God, that was terrible. All right. Well, let's pick out a couple things then. Do you think uh, this is this is the one thing that I'm kind of I'm kind of hoping. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be true. The TARDIS looked like it was, you know, really bad off. I thought the TARDIS was doomed. And and. Here we have the Doctor uh, leaving Earth without the TARDIS at the end, uh, taking three people accidentally with him. So basically shanghaiing three people uh, on a trip by accident. What if when the Doctor gets the TARDIS back, it's broken and she can't steer it or get them back to Earth? Oh, I've got an even better one. I don't think she's going to get the TARDIS back. You don't think Not she'll get this the season. Back? Not this season. Keith has got the theory that uh, this this entire series is going to be the search for the TARDIS. Well, uh, I, I'm I'll, all right. We'll talk about the secrecy of Chibnall. He has said there is no overarching theme. Yeah, he's a liar. It's possible um, because it's possible. as somebody as somebody else pointed out, um, you know, just as the Doctor always lies, the Doctor Who showrunners always lie. Um, well, now maybe each maybe there will be an essence of a standalone story, but it's going to be, you know, like it, it's going to run more like an anthology series, I think, in that ultimately it's all about the doctor trying to find her TARDIS so that she can get these three people home and that she can go about gallivanting around the universe like she wants. 
the problem is is that you know she she goes on the search she she ends up on one place okay now she's got to she's got to settle whatever problem there is in this particular story that'll be completely unrelated to what happened in the previous week okay but now we're back to the search for the TARDIS so at the end of every episode it's here is my new destination as I try to get closer and closer to where my TARDIS is located that is going to be the arc without a means to do so though she already did it once There'll be, I'm sure there's going to be gimmicks left and right as to how the Doctor, along with the, the three, uh, will find some way to be able to jump from you know destination to destination to destination sans TARDIS. Mm-hmm. All in an attempt to try to get to the TARDIS. Well, I mean, I think, well, it's a possibility. That was my first, I, I did, that, that did pop to my head first. And then my thought was, we do have an opportunity here. And, and it's very hard to tell. And with production the way it is, I doubt very much that they could do it. But we have an opportunity to, quote unquote, fix Doctor Who here. And remember, Chibnall is an old school Doctor Who fan. I, I don't know if you remember, but there was a time when they wanted to bring back, I think, Sidney Newman to try to shore up Doctor Who's ratings. And to be fair, what he recommended showed no imagination whatsoever. It was make sure that the TARDIS can't go anywhere that the Doctor wants it to go. Get three people on board the TARDIS so that he has somebody to have with him that he's trying to get home, but he can't. It's like basically he wanted to reset it back to Hartnell era Who. And to some degree, I kind of sympathize with that. Using the TARDIS as the means to get from A to B at the beginning and the end of the episode as opposed to in these later years where the TARDIS can land on a dime anytime at once, pretty much. If a story needs the Doctor to make 47 trips in the TARDIS, he'll make 47 good trips in the TARDIS. And then occasionally they'll throw a bone and go, oh, oops, I, I hit the wrong spot. This is not Rio. You know, you're saying the very thing that I said last year. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I, I mentioned this very thing. It's okay as so long as the TARDIS is the vehicle, pardon the pun, by which the story is then told. But don't have the TARDIS be the story. And that's what we had been saying. And that was one of the really cool things that did exist with the, you know, with the hard, no, well, even, even through much of the Tom Baker, there were many episodes, you know, that especially um, during the, the era when uh, Lala Ward first came on board, you know, introduced the concept of the randomizer. Mm-hmm. So they had no idea where the heck they were going. Just flick the switch, boom, there's someplace new. And now they have to deal with wherever it is that they're at. That was great. And it opened up a lot of possibilities because when that happens, then you literally have all of space and time at your disposal. And you can just pick anything by you know, at random you, instead yeah. of having to create, create this, this convoluted story uh, in order to you know, tell whatever, whatever moral or whatever, you know, I don't know, whatever kind of you know, episode that you're trying to craft. But, you know, we've seen some uh, just, just really tragic, tragic TARDIS-based episodes. You know, the one that really bugs me the most from uh, two years ago, I think it was, and that was Journey to the Center of the TARDIS. Oh, at least four. Three Capaldi series. That was uh, that was a Clara-Matt Smith episode. So. Yeah, that was. And, and I know there were some during the, the Capaldi era that just drove me insane. But then there's Edge of Destruction, which is a TARDIS-based story. And, you know, it was a short one, but it was fine. Yeah. So, uh, 
yeah, I just, you know, the t having a time machine does introduce a whole lot of problems and, you know, kind of the whole, we arrive, but if we get back in it, we can't come back here. It's, it's sort of like time tunnel. Yeah. Once you get out, you're... Once you're out there, that's it. Yeah. You know, it's not, and it's not like what we saw during the first year of Capaldi where he was always dropping Clara off back at where she, you know, back at home. Yeah. Every day. You know, was, and, I, and that, no. that got to be just ridiculous. That was ridiculous. That's right. Um, and it's kind of hard to find a way to make the doctor forget how to pilot the TARDIS that well. But, you know, with the damage it's got, I'm just, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. But you know why they won't do it? Because it's cheap to come back to 20th century Earth. Yeah. Right? So if they don't come back to 20th century Earth, their budget goes up. So if they were randomly going to the past and the future and other planets and could never get them back to Sheffield in 2018, you know, they, they would their budget would go up. So I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to continue to keep bouncing back and forth to modern Earth just because unless maybe that's why the season's shorter so they can afford not to do that. How many episodes this year? Ten and a Christmas special. Oh, boy. Um, also... I will give Chibnall this. Again, I'm not going to go out and say every every showrunner lies. That's, you know, that's that's unfortunately too much like a... Uh, <laughs> uh, likely to be apocryphal. He has done a fabulous job of keeping secrets compared to the others in the past. We don't know what the title of the third episode is. We don't... We haven't had a, a look at villains... We got a next, or not a next time trailer, but we got a coming on Doctor Who trailer, which usually gives up tips for the whole series. Gave this time us we a got list like virtually every meaningless guest actor. names. Well, not not all of them. Were well, Lee Mack, okay, but the rest of well, them. I saw were... Lee Mack. Um, uh, there was Alan Cumming, Chris Noth, uh, Siobhan Finneran. I mean, these uh, those those names I, I recognized about. immediately. Mm. Can't say I recognize those names, but you know, oh, I did. A, 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 even a parade of famous faces doesn't excite me. Well, that but did the other, not but make you're me right. want to look for the episodes. But it did keep me from seeing anything except that one of them's a historical. Well, and, and you're right. Um, the rest of them meant nothing to me. Absolutely nothing. And I'm sure in the UK, it probably would far more people would recognize them and go. Well, but it wouldn't. It, like I said, there just is nobody that's going to be in this show unless it's like Matt Smith, and you go, "Ooh, multi doctor episode." But but the other people, you, you see them, and there's no context, and it's like, well, for all I know, they've got a two second cameo. Uh, you know, like Richard Dawkins did. Richard, yeah, Richard mm. Dawkins. Then, you know, they're just going to show me the face. Look at some of the faces you're going to see. Great. No, I wasn't wasn't entranced by that by that piece of. Uh, but but how much I know about this series is is remarkably limited in comparison. But we have had some things. No returning villains. No um, no multi part episodes. No arcs. So we'll haven't see. seen any. Yeah, haven't seen any indication of any classic villains in this. Specifically said there won't be any. All new villains this year. All new monsters. My, I mean, don't know if that's a good idea or not, but then given the way some of the villains were have been portrayed of the last few seasons, maybe this is a good thing. I'm fine with new monsters if they've got new monsters. The guy in this one. Tim oh, Shaw. Sinshaw? <laughs> the Shenta? The Shenta? It's Sinshaw. It's Simshaw. <laughs> um, wasn't terribly impressive. <laughs> You know, but on the yeah. other hand, 
It was cheesy. Uh, on the other it hand, it was corny. I I kind of like it not being a world-ending, universe-destroying problem. Well, like, and I will I will admit now that I think about it, this is one thing that I kind of sort of I like the fact that he was a bit of a joke. I mean, it it there was something that was a bit of a throwback to some you know older older Who, um, although I couldn't tell I I couldn't draw you any parallels. Mm. But there was something very amusing in this particular character. I mean, the idea of him taking teeth was disgusting. Yeah. But uh, everything else about him was kind of amusing, especially, the, you know, the Tim Shaw, Tim Shaw, Tim Shaw, Tim Shaw. I mean, OK, I was I had to admit I found that funny. It was kind of a predator wannabe. Um, but um, I think, OK, there is an interesting thing about him. I will I will say that this is an interesting take. Here you have an alien race that's going to send somebody to this planet to capture a human being to take back to be a trophy. And that's a terrible, terrible thing, right? I mean, that's worthy of you are the villain for doing that. You know, you treat humans as such inferior species that you're using them as a hunting planet. And and I'm I'm on board with that. That's fine. I mean, it's eh, but it's okay. The fact that they then turned around and made him a cheat and a liar Mm. makes him more dimensional not only not only do you have this race of people that would do this but then you've got one who'd cheat to make sure he succeeds at it that's an interesting twist to me granted yeah okay yeah so in that respect i i did appreciate that uh i i that aspect of it's like well you know i can't come here with any weapons and i can't come here with any intelligent gathering thing and uh, oh by the way i came here with weapons and uh, stuff so just to get the job done. So that was, uh, you know, what he lacked in dynamism and uh, a whole lot of menace. Um, he he kind of made up for it being a little more than just a shouting villain from another planet. That came. true. So, okay. um, let's see. I hate to do it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put through a couple of I'm gonna go through a couple of notes which may or may not have a negative slant to them. Um, I think I already mentioned it. I really didn't like the Sonic screwdriver. Um, not just the fact that it looks terrible. I'm not convinced the doctor could put that together from the equipment that was available on hand. And I know occasionally the doctor has put together some weird stuff with forks and knives. But what we saw the doctor doing with the soldering iron and everything, it's like, yeah, no, (laughs) I don't think so. Especially if this sonic screwdriver is going to be just as powerful as the previous ones. Which it apparently is. It did kind of seem that way. It did kind of seem that way. Um, talking about this. Well, I, I, keep, I keep thinking, but it reminds me of something. And I've not been able to identify it. The, you know, the sonic uh, screwdriver? Yeah. Just, just something in its design that it, there's something very familiar about it. And I, I can't identify what it is. And it's driving me crazy. Um, I'd have to bleep it, but let's say uh, some of the people have pointed no, out no, 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 the, the, the like Cyberman no, 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 no. thing. No, that's that's not what I was referring to. Um, no, something it, else. It's it's something that I've seen in a movie. It has a, a sci-fi of, film. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think it's the 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 ribbed, um, almost wood-like metal, and then the bend. Something mm, about possibly. it. Possibly. Yeah. It, it does look like something, but I I couldn't I couldn't place it. But anyway. Um, the other thing, how, how did you feel talking Sonic Screwdriver? How did you feel about the way the episode at times didn't show us what was happening? For example, I never liked that. I, I felt like, I felt like I had a brief blackout 
There was a cheat. There was a lot of cheats that took place. So like when the time when she found the, the squiggly thing. Obviously, we were told by the bus drivers. Okay. But we went from garage to on the roof next to the thing, as far as I can tell. Either one of two things happened. They cut straight from one to the other. I had a blackout. Or there was a streaming glitch, but there was no transition there. There it was wasn't. just boom. Okay. No, good. no, there was there was no transition. They just they were just there. The other uh, the other gotcha! instance is when um, when they pulled out the DNA bombs. Right. That I one mean, was that, the big one. Yeah, that one I thought was a bit egregious. All right. Yeah. She she obviously took these things out, put them in the thing, which happened apparently at the time when they were on the roof and they started off her around the thing mm-hmm. and scanning it. At no point did we actually see her. We kind of saw that whole scene from the point where kind, she that's started scanning what I thought. it to the point where Tim Shaw showed up and zapped around and whatnot. And I didn't see any opportunity for her to sonic that out. So Neither did I. When she says it at the end it's one of those it's one of those and i'm not saying the doctor said this all right it's the writer saying this look at how clever the doctor is i didn't show it to you because it's a slight of hand but it's actually not even very clever Mm -mm. because it's a sonic screwdriver get out of jail free oh dna bombs (whistles) get rid of them right and we don't even get to see it. Oh. <laughs> it's almost like, you know, the doctor's in a room locked up. And then next scene, the doctor is fighting the alien. And somebody bothers to mention, well, good thing we had the sonic screwdriver to get out of that doorway. It, <laughs> like, it just, I didn't, that, that, that kind of, I want to see the doctor be clever. Not just have the doctor tell me that the doctor's been clever. Even if it's not Gee, clever. I want to see haven't that. you want to... You, you're echoing yourself and me. We have both said that in the past. <laughs> I'm sure we have. <laughs> oh, yes, we have. We have both said that. That we're sick and tired of being told... I was clever here. You know, instead of just saying that you were clever, why don't you show us that you were clever? Yeah. But the problem is that is something that has gone back all the way to, I mean, I, I can think back to Tom Baker. We've seen that. Oh, yeah, and it happens. We've seen it go it even, even, even longer than that. It, 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 definitely, it definitely has happened going way back. There, there's no doubt about that. And obviously, when you're being clever and you're doing something clever that the audience can't understand, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the, the joke here is that it doesn't matter what the doctor says, right? It's it's techno babble. It's fake. Well, the so one it, that it, just there's there's one that just immediately came to mind, and it's it's funny because I thought about this episode recently because someone had brought it up to my attention, and that's time lash, and there is a bit where the doctor and H.G. Wells manage to escape destruction. And when Perry corners the doctor and says, how did you do that? And he says, oh, um, I, I was being very clever. Remind me to tell you about it sometime. And I went, oh, I don't know if I should you know, applaud you or hit you <laughs> for at least having the nerve to say, you know, th- that's essentially the writer saying, I don't know how, how we did it. We'll just move on. Yeah. Yeah. So there was that. Um, let's see. Oh, here's a minor one. This thing came from... At least, and I don't remember, was it 50 or 500 galaxies away? Uh, 500. 500 galaxies away. Since galaxies don't line up in a straight line. No, they don't. How, how do you add? What kind of a measure is that? Let's get to say. 
it's the <laughs> it, it's the, yeah it, it's the same measurement that allows a time lord to fall from a very 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 high di- high you know height come crashing through uh, a train and stand up unscathed hmm. same oh. measurement okay so uh, um the other thing that i forgot to mention when we we're talking about the uh, the stuff that they were cheating on us um the, the the pacing of the episode there were things that got glossed over there were things that went too fast there were things that went, and then there were things that just dragged on forever like the funeral like all the you know kind of rambling on the the pacing was just all over the place on that episode and they made this a long episode too so that they could have more time to waste time apparently um that that's a thing i didn't i didn't care for um in the episode mm-hmm. now did she kill tim shaw with the dna bombs i didn't think so what did she do with the dna bombs well she did put them into the um coil gatherer uh that Tim shaw then kind of absorbed so it was hurting him but not killing him uh she then threw him why not little- killing him I don't that, know. That's, that was the question. I mean, she said, oh, you know, it, it felt like a, it felt like a, I don't know, seems like a David Tennant kind of thing where, you know, don't, don't kill the people. Don't kill the people. You'll be sorry if you kill the people. Oh, you killed the people. Guess what? I turned the gun around and it shot yourself. Right. It, it, it had that kind of, it had that feel to it. She tried to warn him off. She, don't, don't do it. He does it. You totally absorb the DNA bombs. I thought he was dying. I, I thought that's what it was supposed to be. Then she tosses the teleporter back at him, sending him back home. But I assumed she was sending him back home to die. So, I don't know, warning to the people. But when the guy who is so worthless, I don't Carl. know what his name is, um, he amused me, to be fair, his whole, I am valuable, I am whatever, but it did amuse me, but still. I think it's more it important was, that we it, don't it was not pointless. remember his name just to point out that, that he's It was not. utterly pointless. But when he tripped the thing and caused it to fall over the edge, the doctor got pissed at him. Yeah, I don't understand why. Because uh, he tried to kill him, which seems like what she was doing. And and even if even if he had, well, he did, he succeeded in pushing him off the edge, she'd already sent the teleport at him, so there was no chance it was going to... So it's, it's the act of attempted murder in self-defense of a creature that was trying to kill you. Yeah, that I, she got I, the, 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 yeah it doesn't make any sense to me. Which could just be this doctor's um, uh, moral ambiguity. I, I found it stupid. Okay. <clears throat> um, no opening credits. None. We only got a hint of the opening theme when the doctor stood up after falling through the train, and that was it. Yeah. We did get the closing <clears throat> credits, and I hate the closing music. It's just, it's gutless. Hmm. I, I, I'd like to, he- I didn't mind it. Well, let's face it. I, um, I hated the, the, the rat organ music that they've been playing throughout Capaldi's era. Right. I, I, I felt like that sounded like somebody was torturing rats. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything would be a better, even, even Sylvester McCoy's music is better than the Capaldi era music. So I, I, f- I felt like it was. And it's also the graphics, of course. I felt like they were trying to be evocative of Pertwee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it felt like a bit of a throwback. Except for that military beat to it. That was the the driving... It didn't fit in my mind. 
So I don't know if they're not going to have opening credits. I mean, this is a big, you know, this is a big controversy, not controversy, that's not the right word, but this is a big trend over the last few years, at least in the United States, to eliminate opening credits because that's just time that you could be selling to advertisers, right? Which is not the BBC's position. So I don't know whether this was just intended to hold the suspense for the theme song longer or whether I, this is the new the new style. I do, I hope not. I I'm inclined to think this was just a one-off. Just it's just just a feeling, but you, you never know. Uh Chibnall has talked about that he they were going for something different, totally new. Who knows? You know, obviously we're not going to know until the next episode comes out. I mean, I could see them holding off in the opening credits in much the same way they did in the remake of Casino Royale with Daniel Craig. Mm. Eliminating the whole Bond right. intro thing because he's not Bond yet. He's not 007 yet, which is exactly what happens in this episode. She's not the doctor until up on the crane. That is true. So maybe. I don't know. Um, I'd like to hear the theme music in a better setting and without them being cut in the middle with coming soon uh, and all that kind of nonsense. But, um, uh, yeah. Otherwise, Murray Gold is out. Mm -hmm. Um, Some new guys in. Um, There was that scene where the doctor stood up and there was that sort of thing. Right right at the very beginning when she comes crashing through the train. And then there was a scene when I think you were in the forest, there was a sort of a... You know, that that sort of tense keyboard push that they do to give that sort of tension sound. Mm, And then if there was any other music in that episode, I didn't hear it. It was invisible. It was totally forgettable. Totally forgettable. Um, So which, you know, is still an improvement over the sea devils. So, but I, 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 it was totally, totally not there. So, all right. I will say, I don't know what to expect from Chibnall. Um, I have some hopes because, you know, I can, I can remember Chibnall as a kid feeling the same way as I do about how bad Doctor Who had gotten under the John Nathan Turner era. Mm-hmm. And so I have hopes. I, I, I have hopes. However, you know, television has moved on and he certainly has his own style and, um, you know, sensibilities. And we'll see. Yeah. This reminded oh. me of this reminded me of Russell T Davis a little more than I would like and I will I will take this stand right now. I am eternally grateful to Russell T Davis for bringing Doctor Who back. I think he did a lot of great things. Um I with a caveat preferred the Moffat era. Um the caveat being is that Moffat doesn't know when to quit and I don't mean the job. I mean, he doesn't know when to quit with a theme that he just beats to death. Oh, true, true. Right? Yeah, that is true. But, but the best of the Moffat era far surpasses the best of the Davies era. And the best of the Davies era were all written by Moffat. That is true. So, you know, running about Matt Smith's first year before it just went completely ape doolally. Um, was kind of the high point. So I'm not sure that I'm interested in seeing a return to Russell T. Davies, but I'm, but I also am ready for change. So, um, let's see what else is there to talk about, about first episode of a new doctor when we really don't know what the new doctor is going to be like. Uh, let's look at her friends first and foremost. Um, what was Ryan's problem? It's, 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 uh, balance coordination. 
It had a name. It had a name. Is it a thing? I, I believe mean, it is. I mean, I, I'm not saying it's a fake thing, but I mean... I believe it's a real condition. I can't remember the name of it. It's like dysparexia or something like that. Is that an inclusivity thing? That not only does she have, you know, a, a, a diverse cast, this is now our first handicapped companion? Is that what that's supposed to uh, be? Um, wow. Um... Uh, or is this a thing that's going to be forgotten? I think it's going to be forgotten, to be honest. Like, well, how many times do you need to ride a bicycle in the TARDIS? Eh, not very often. Okay. I mean, we saw a little bit of him having balance issues when he was on top of the crane with Yaz. So maybe there's something there, but I kind of doubt it. I just think it's, it's going to be forgotten as it goes on. Um, Let's see. Otherwise, what did you think of ryan um didn't like him uh he's got a really ugly chip on his shoulder Mm. well fortunately he's gonna be stranded with his chip on his shoulder graham yeah um uh but i don't need to be hearing all sorts of just snide remarks back to graham i mean i I, for, for the duration of their time together i don't need that i mean that's a waste of my time and i don't want to tune into a tv well i don't want to tune into a tv show where you've got squabbling family. Don't don't want that. Do you think that will continue between the two of them? For a time, I expect it to. I suspect that there is a plan to have them reconcile and start treating each other as family as the as, as this particular season comes to a close, possibly culminating at the Christmas episode, but for the most part, I see them at least for half of the series, I see them just bickering. And again, being that they're family, I don't need to see that. Well, I mean, clearly, um, Ryan does not think of Graham as family. No, he doesn't. But okay, fine. Is that the standard grandfather or grandmother's new husband? I don't, um, I don't like him. Or is this the grandmother's new white husband? I don't like him. I really don't know. I I really don't know. Um, I it it could it could be a race issue. It really could be. I hope it isn't, but it could be. And what about Graham? Risk averse yeah. Graham. Yeah. Well, he's older, so he's a bit more settled. Uh, doesn't want to have his world rocked too much. And now it's been rocked horribly now with Grace's death after meeting the doctor. So. Uh, this, it'll be interesting to see what this does for him. Uh, but I, I neither liked nor disliked him. He, I I just found him there. I would go along with that. He was just there. He was the third wheel. And I, I think in a way it was kind of meant to be that way. I mean, if you hadn't, if you didn't know who the friends were, I would have put him for the chop and Grace being a companion. Hmm. Very possible. Use, you know, I'm going to use the word companion. It doesn't matter that they call them friends. Um, that uh, that doesn't uh, it doesn't work too well when everywhere the doctor goes, they make friends. Mm-hmm. Right? They're all friends. There are only a few are companions, though. Um, Whereas the doctor likes to say, "Fam." And yes, I kind of like yes. A little plucky. Uh, she's plucky, um, but in all the right ways. I actually liked yes. So there's hope there as far as companions with the doctor i mean she might be the most interesting one of the bunch 
And and she is the one who, and I'll put this question to you too. Uh, she helps out Ryan. She gets a call out. She wants to get a, she wants to do something other than traffic stops. Great. Um, she goes out. She meets Ryan. Ryan's an old friend from school. Hey, great. There you are. Blah, blah, blah. He, he gets this call. There's something weird on a train. Is she helping out because he's a friend or because she's the police? Um, I think she helped out because she's police. She if, didn't call as it far in. As, she wanted to, but I, I think okay, in, in the case of just first going down there. Okay. I, I gather from the conversation that she had with the doctor that it was a bit inappropriate for her to play taxi service for Ryan mm-hmm. to get him down to where the train had stopped. So that might be one reason why she didn't call that in at that moment because Ryan was with her, okay, but, but she, but she wanted to report it. And the doctor kept saying no. Okay, before the doctor ever even got there. So she's off in the woods, and Ryan's like, oh, this train has stopped on the track. You would think that that notwithstanding weird things going on or something else, that long before the doctor ever fell through the roof, she would have called in and said, did you know there's a train stuck on the tracks? So well, another she train is, doesn't hit it. She, well, it's, it was the last train. Well, it was the last commuter train. Uh, she is second year probationary. Why didn't you call it in, Yaz? Um, now you're about to be third year probationary. <laughs> exactly. So that was a little stretch. But I, I got the feeling she was, obviously she, this may have been a little bit of, hey, maybe I can get uh, a juicy uh, case if I don't call somebody. Um, which would be, you know, kind of keeping with her earlier comments. Um, but at the same time, she's helping out a, a friend. Call him a friend. Um, a classmate, not everyone that I went to school with, I considered a friend. I don't know about you, but mm-hmm. especially ones that I wouldn't, that they're obviously not so much older that they wouldn't recognize each other immediately. Right. Um, but, um, but yeah, she was, she was the, the brighter of the bunch. And I don't mean that just in intelligence. I mean, as the, as the group goes. And finally, who are we forgetting? Oh, yes, the doctor. Mm. What are your first reactions? Wow, it's it's just too soon to tell. I, I just don't know. Um, I didn't hate it, and that's about as far as I can go. It was, it was pretty generic. How's that? Okay, um, now I hate it. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I mean, if it's, you know, you say generic, and I'm thinking of it, yeah, he's right. It's terrible. It, it didn't stand out. But then I felt the same way about Peter Davison. So, um, oh, but I hated Castrovalva. And and the funny thing about Castrovalva, <clears throat> if you'll recall, is they shot that, I don't know, third? Yeah. So the doctor would have time to work out how he was going to play the part mm-hmm. before he had to play the regeneration part, which, you know, I guess is, they thought might be difficult. Um, considering that... Considering that the doctor is going through regeneration, and it didn't bother me, I just didn't feel like I'd gotten any gotten any personality yet out of the doctor. We're just we're just watching. We're just watching. There was no personality. The 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 pieces of doctor that we know the doctor has to have. There was Enthusiasm, zero personality. The willingness to help people. The, the yeah. ingenuity, all, the, right? All all things. the characteristic <clears throat> traits. There was zero personality. None. Uh, all enthusiasm. I think was. Yeah, that's not personality though. But you're right. It's all uh, all enthusiasm. All leap into action. 
Uh, it's it's like uh, an empty John Pertwee. So coming back to the comment that I made at the beginning about how, you know, having gone through that exercise of looking at the, ep- the, the early episodes, some of the doctors come off very strong in their first episodes and, and some of them do not. And it's very hard to judge the doctor by the first episode um, in some cases. True. So, you know, I'm reserving, I'm reserving judgment. The truth be told, Jody seems to be doing an acceptable job playing with the lines that they were given. She yes, she okay. did a great job with the lines that she had, and and I've been looking through the news and uh, also checking with uh, you know friends on Facebook and who are Doctor Who fans, and the consensus has been unanimous among all of them that they loved her. My daughter's uh, first words when it's I love her. Um, you know, at, at the end of the episode, I, I, I have no complaints at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and honestly, by the end of the first episode of Sylvester McCoy, I had complaints. That is true. I, well, I had, <laughs> yeah, I had a lot of complaints. At the end of the first the, episode of oh, Colin Baker, I had complaints. Mm, I had a few, not many, more with McCoy. Um, I have none with, uh, Jody at this present time. But that could really change. Do because, you think? Mm-hmm. Okay. I was going to say, well, this was Chibnall's episode. He wrote this. And the I next don't ex- one. Oh, okay, cause, okay, so he wrote the next one, but not the third, most likely. So we're, correct. again, we're going to be seeing probably some changes in personality because that has been something of a regular characteristic among Doctor Who stories, especially you know during the... The Moffat era, where uh, Moffat didn't write certain stories for either for be it Smith or Capaldi, someone else around him, and you got uh, a completely almost a completely different Doctor. Mm-hmm. So here we we just don't know what we're going to get. Do you think that looking at the looking at the uh, pantheon, okay, the first Doctor was a crotchety old man, and he was always a crotchety old man. Mm-hmm. Um, and that fit a certain stereotype British eccentric inventor, right? Kind of, right? Which you know is the original um, holotype. They went when they went to Patrick Troughton. They made a deliberate change, and mm-hmm. frankly, they made him a lot weirder, right? And yeah, that's, that's oh, really very what much. They did. They made him weird. Um, um, when they went to Pertwee, they changed it up again, and they say we're going to go with we're going to go action adventure bondian guy they didn't do that in the first episode there was there was far more trout in the first episode for the for, for pertwee's doctor but you know tom baker eccentrically weird john nathan turner comes along he says the next doctor is going to be younger more vulnerable less this right and we got milk toast and then they go with colin baker they go to the you know kind of over the top i want to get back to the angry doctor from the first which he really wasn't right but we want the alien right so basically what they're doing is every time they're trying to they're trying to deviate now when we get to the eighth doctor right which i will say you know he got one shot in a a movie made by americans and and then he got that one little regeneration sequence at the end and there is a huge catalog of big finish audios where they fleshed out his character. Mm-hmm. But, but, new audience, new style, new thing, right? When they went to that movie, he is even more generic than Peter Davison. 
because they aren't going for this character is different from Sylvester McCoy or this character is different from Tom Baker. They are going for what is the distilled essence of the Doctor. A little bit weird, a little, little out of time, kind of smart, perhaps a little excitable kind of thing. His performance in that movie and Jody's in this one remind me very much of each other. And I wonder if because she is the first woman doctor, they've decided that that is enough deviating from the pattern, from the, the, the generic doctor figure. That should be enough. We're not also going to try to make her Sylvester McCoy or make her Colin Baker or anything like that. They're not going to go big with the personality, I think. I think they're going to go with middle of the road. Hmm. Hmm. To guess, based on what we've seen, it's very hard to tell from the first episode. But that that was I I was I was wreaking eighth doctor vibe off this. I'm like, yeah, this is like we have to show that this person is the doctor. Whereas in other cases, the whole point was to show you that the doctor was different. Yes, yes, and that's mm. and and we are showing that the doctor is very different in one particular way. Here, so right. maybe we don't need to. Maybe we don't need to try to uh, come up with a clever uh, distinguishing feature because the, the just the one the one big way is enough is enough possible. So, can, so, which you know, I don't actually think will serve serve her well, but we'll see. I'm, I hope I'm wrong there. But well, yeah, I I don't know. Again, this is uh, it's the first episode we. We know very, very little about where her character is going to go. Maybe Chibnall didn't even know. I mean, he could be growing into this uh, uh, just as much as we are in terms of who the Doctor is going to be. Hard to say. He had a lot of time to prepare, though. I hope that... But then maybe this is a deliberate attempt to kind of let her have uh, her growth and, and finally become the person that we want her to become. I will say, however, I was very um, wary of the scene after the funeral and they're all outside of the home and the doctor's just simply talking about how, you know, I'm just a traveler. You know, sometimes I find things I need fixing and I fix them. And it just felt bland. I mean, it sort of did go back to what it is that you think back to what River Song kept trying to tell Matt Smith's doctor, you know, you're not the warrior doctor. You are, you know, you're not the doctor that goes in and scares people half to death. You're the doctor who, you're the doctor, you're the doctor who healed, you know, referring to who he used to be. And maybe Chibnall is trying to push the doctor back into that kind of a mode, especially after the whole, am I a good man nightmare we went through with Capaldi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hard to say. It's to It's say. just too soon. Well, I think I don't have anything else on this episode. Uh, no, um, no. Oh, one, just one thing that really perturbed me. I didn't quite know what to make of this one line. When Yes tells the doctor that she needs new clothes, she says it's been a long time since I bought women's clothes. Yeah, I, I, my first thought there was, I think, I think probably the one that perturbed you, but I think reality is, is that the doctor has been, uh, had a family. Um, the doctor's that probably too. been shopping for women's clothing at some point. Yeah, it's possible. You know, even, even a granddaughter, perhaps. Yeah, that's true. So, <clears throat> I, I, I mean, I've been shopping for women's clothing, you know, and I've never regenerated to or from a woman. 
Mm. So, I mean, it, okay. it, it does happen. And I that's how I ultimately chose to take that line. Uh, instead of the mythical 38 other regenerations we haven't bothered to tell you about in, mm. in the past. Okay, well, so, listeners, so that you know our current plan, and you can check out on our Facebook page for our listing of upcoming episodes, is to run one of these Doctor Who episodes every two weeks and continue rotation of our uh, regular shows. So uh, through the end of the year, we'll be talking about Doctor Who getting progressively further from the air date of the episode, although I suspect we'll be recording them a lot closer to the air date than when they get released. So uh, next week, you will actually uh, get to hear our episode on the Night Stalker, the Source and the Sea two-part episode. And then the week after that, which is, oh, I don't know, October 29th will be the next episode of Doctor Who. I think it's the Ghost Monument. I'll take your word for it. I think it's the Ghost Monument. I think that's the only two we have names for. Everything else, even the names, haven't come out yet. So I think we know the writers of them all, but but not the names. So All right. Well, Ben, thank you for joining me. Oh, I wish I could say it was a pleasure. <laughs> I'm sorry I ruined it for you. I, I hope I didn't ruin it for anybody else that was uh, watching the show that was like loving it. And then it's like, oh, you're right. This was kind of bad. Um, but, but listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time. Fusion Patrol. Cheers. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us? Please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, fusionpatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at fusionpatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.